Welcome to the podcast. My name is Michael McCann. That's Jordan McCann. We are married, and this is the McCann Podcast Universe. And this podcast is just to prove people wrong when they say the sequels are never better than the originals. And we are covering the X Men movies. And this podcast is about X Men Days of Future Past. You want to try that again? Hello, everybody, and welcome to the podcast. No, My not name is like that. What do you mean, like what? Did anyone understand what you were saying? Well, there is a feature on Apple and I believe Samsung Galaxies that you can slow down podcasts. So that's for all you people who listen at half speed. You just got a little taste of what it's like to listen to it at full speed. Oh, that's what you were getting at. Yeah, and it's not it's not related to the podcast at all, except for we do have Quicksilver. Um, so that's why you did it? Or are you just no, making I'm, that up? No, I'm just making that connection now. Uh, hello, everybody. Hello. Do you want to give a little proper introduction for yourself here? I'm Jordan McCaw. You, you are indisputably Jordan McCaw. Jordan Marie McCaw. And guess what else? Jordan is sitting over here in a chair with a plush, uh, uh, cushion back, front, all of it. It's a big old nice chair. Cushion chair, and I'm sitting here on an office chair. Well, I can assure you, I will be uncomfortable in a, in a couple minutes' time. It's only, it's really? only a matter of time because really? I I get uncomfortable very quickly in anything I sit in. Well, that's true. And I'm are we fidgeter. are we not human that this happens to all of us? Mm. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um. I think I'm in a a bit of a strange mood. Today's been a crazy day at work. Yeah. And so now I'm finally like, let's get down to some potting. And I and I feel that manic energy of trying to get all my work done to so if this podcast is fifteen minutes, that's all Micah's fault. Yeah, I mean we're not even two minutes in yet, and Micah has already basically run the gamut. Okay, but I am falling fast. My energy is already getting low. <laughs> I think I I'm can gonna see your eyes are drooping. You're <laughs> asleep. You need you need a you need a Snickers. <laughs> I need a Snickers. Um, but here we are. Um. If you've been listening along to our X-Men series, you're probably hearing how we are now in the, what I would call, no-no zone, where we are, <laughs> no, 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 I wouldn't call it that, that's weird, we're, we're in the zone in which Jordan and I are going totally blind into these movies, as in we have not seen these, except for the two Deadpool movies and Logan. Mm-hmm. And so... This is like the first X-Men proper movie that I haven't seen up to this point. And uh, I guess my impression is, so if you'll remember from our first class episode, I dropped out. I was like, no more X-Men for me. I don't need it. And then I remember seeing trailers for this movie and being like, oh, brother, here we go again. But hearing like some buzz about it. Uh, Years later, hearing people like, no, that movie's pretty cool. There's some cool stuff. And then kind of seeing, oh, this is about, like, the two timelines converging. That's kind of cool. I thought the title was supremely stupid, uh, and I made fun of it to no end. I have since, of course, realized that it is the name of the comic run, and I rescind my mm. thinking it's a dumb title. <laughs> uh, it's it's a cool title. Mm-hmm. Um, but sometimes I get hung up on titles. It's it's fun to have a title that you think is dumb, you know? Sure. Yeah. Uh but yeah. And so I so I was when we when this series won our bracket, I thought, "Oh, this is I'm excited. I'm going to finally watch this movie and I bet it's going to be really good." Yeah. That's what I thought. Yeah. And then I looked at Letterbox and people I follow and I saw David Ehrlich gave this 
a very famous film critic who's quite good. He but also this, gets quite harsh. He's quite harsh, but I feel like he always has actual credence and and mm-hmm. like actual reasons for thinking mm-hmm. the things he's thinking. He's, he's not, not a just, curmudgeon. No. Um, and and the Wolverine, he was like, this movie rocks. Mm-hmm. He's like, this movie is so good. So I'm like, oh, he's gonna love this one. I look up his review, half star, and he says, I don't think movies get worse than this. And then he says, I don't think anything gets worse than this. <laughs> and so I saw that before we watch it, and I'm like, crap. Oh, you saw that before? Yeah. So. It, it lowered my expectations well, yeah, that's quite good. a bit. Yeah. Um, and then we watched it. And I felt a lot of, I would say, contradicting feelings throughout this movie. This movie, to me, just, it happened. Uh-huh. It's out there. It was a movie that has been made. Who knows how many cinematographers are on it? I'm waiting <laughs> to find out. And I, this one, I, from all I know, it just has one cinematographer. Wow, that, they really, they thought only one person <laughs> could do the job? Uh, interesting but yeah i i felt like i mean i'm already i've already probably forgotten so much of what happened but i will say jordan read a marvel comic she did jojo did tell us about it maybe like my second one no you've read more than one marvel comic i have micah yeah you've read i've read like one spider-man comic because you got me to read that craven run and then i read one i think and then forgot to read the rest Mm -hmm. it was a bad place for to start i i realize that now it wasn't bad i just no no no. but but yeah. you there were too many questions where you were like wait is spider-man always this dark and this that and that and i was like oh i should have had you start with like the master planner saga from the or the early days of spider-man and but even reading this one i read i wanted to read both i uh, really only had time to read the first one prior to recording yeah, yeah. so i couldn't finish it but even still i'm reading this morning and i had a plethora of questions yeah, so, yes, let's talk about the comic first. Yeah. So there is a comic called X-Men Days of Future Past, and it's two issues. Uncanny- I'm surprised that, okay, sorry, first of all, uh-huh. shut up. <laughs> I'm surprised that they got, I mean, I'm not that surprised. It's just, you. it feels like when they make a movie, especially one as epic as this one uh-huh. of superheroes, that this is like a big run. Yeah. Like, I imagine yeah. the Dark Phoenix run is more than two comics. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, therefore, it's like, how did they get a movie out of this? Right. Is how it feels. Like, how did they get the concept all is like of it down? Clear and it's there. Yeah. So may, and, you know, like I said, I didn't read the second one. So, maybe that's like all they needed. Uh huh. But it seems very interesting. Yeah. So, it's, it's uh, Uncanny X Men 141 and 142. And it's just kind of this little one off, well, two off, where, where, uh, we see the future in 2013 and like mutants and non-mutants alike who have fought alongside the mutants are all murdered except for a couple. And the Sentinels have wreaked havoc upon the earth. And then Kitty pride gets sent back into her, like her consciousness into her younger body when she first joined the X-Men and they need to stop this assassination that mystique is leading against Senator Kelly. Yeah. Which Senator Kelly is the guy from the first three, right? Yeah. Okay. Who she like turns into and in some. So of the is Pentagon Peter Dinklage's character made up? I or imagine from something else. Yeah, I imagine it's just a different run. Okay. Um. So actually, when you look at it, two issues to adapt, pretty easy. Um. And these are great issues of comics. I like these. What What did you think of the issue you read? 
Oh, I thought it was good. I liked it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I haven't read a comic that old. What? How old was that Spider-Man comic I read? That was the... It was it was younger than oh than this one than the X Men yeah oh, okay I guess because most of the comics I've read are well I guess those Batman ones I've read are pretty old Forget yeah that I've read a lot of Batman comics I but I think those are like late eighties I think yeah I'm just not a seasoned comic book reader yeah I feel like I've mostly read the mainstream like the uber mainstream or newer just new stuff that comes out today like Umbrella Academy. Yeah. I, that's not coming out today, I, but yeah. you know what I mean. I don't know how plugged into the mainstream comics you are when you do, said... Do you know what I mean by mainstream, though? Like, I've read Long Halloween. Yeah. I've. What's the other Joker one? The Killing Joke. The Killing Joke. Yeah. Have I read that? I don't know. Maybe I haven't read that. You might have. You might not have. But yeah. I, I don't like that one, so I might have said, hey, it's not that good. Maybe I didn't. But, that, that's a famous one that people really love. And I, I don't, I didn't really love it. Really? Um, well, it's been a while, but it just did, it never got into like, you know, when you, you know, when you're reading something that you've been told or Mm -hmm. experience anything that you've been told is amazing and you're watching it or experiencing it. And usually there's a moment where you're like, oh, okay. Mm. Even if it's like something you can't necessarily define, you're like, oh, this is as good as everybody says. And that never clicked for me. Mm Mm-hmm. And, but since having seen that Alan Moore, who wrote it, thinks that it's bad, I'm like, oh, okay, well. He wrote it and he thinks it's bad? Yeah. He, okay, I haven't read it if Alan, because I didn't know that Alan Moore wrote it. Yeah, that. He, he wrote it and he was like, I was going through stuff and it's like way too dark and like way too intense and I, I it, don't like it. And, how dark is it? How dark is it? Uh, Joker takes pictures of, uh, I was going to say Gary Oldman. Uh, <laughs> Gordon. Gordon's daughter, like naked and. What? Do you see stuff? No, you don't, but it's like, I, and I don't remember the exact context, Yeah, but but it, it's just, it's kind of what everyone now wants Batman always yep, to yep, be. Yep. Yeah. And, and there's kind of like a little part of me, or maybe even Alan Moore said this, where you wonder like, if he had never written that, maybe Batman wouldn't always have to be like, so incredibly dark oh. and droll. Um, Alan Moore is such an interesting person. I, I've read Watchmen, Watchmen yeah. rules. And uh, th- last year I was like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to read From Hell. Yeah, about Jack the Ripper. And I just thought Naive Little Jordan could just pick up From Hell from the library and just blaze through it. And it <laughs> is big. And I got a couple issues in and I was like, this is a little too much for me right now. <laughs> yeah. I'm not saying no forever. Uh-huh. Uh, but gosh, is, yeah. is that stuff twisted and dark? I mean, he is. he is one of the best ever but he yeah. certainly uh he certainly has some pitfalls as a writer for sure yeah um but i, I mean he's, his, he's um, one of the greatest because he does a swamp thing yeah i want to read that yeah because that's supposed to be too. really good yeah. too right and league of extraordinary gentlemen oh that's what i, I also want to read that yeah but yeah he's kind of He's different. I I actually don't, uh, you know, I don't necessarily think it's wise to follow his ideology and stuff, but um like like just his opinions on things. I well, maybe he's, not he's follow, but like pretty I, into the occult. But Well, yeah. oh, I wasn't even talking about that. I just mean like he'll say stuff in interviews and stuff and I'm yeah. like I don't agree with that at all. Yeah, yeah, um yeah. but I agree that I don't think the killing joke is that good. <laughs> okay, that's interesting. <laughs> So yeah, I'm going to take back that I've read uber popular comics. I haven't. I've just read a few. You've just read some random comics. That's what I feel like. Um, Therefore saying I'm very unseasoned. So I'm reading this X-Men comic this morning and I just had 
probably the dumbest questions about things. Well, what I was telling her, uh, listener, that that was fun for me as someone who reads comics often and has particularly read a lot from these early decades, the 60s, 70s, and 80s. It was just funny some of the questions Jordan had that to me are like things I would never think about. So so you were like you were like reading some sentences where, you know, like Colossus is basically explaining his power in a really kind of over the top way and you're like that's so funny that he like had this thought bubble about his power that perfectly explains it. And I'm like yeah, they they do that in every issue back then because there was no like Wikipedia, so they just wanted to make sure anyone who picked it up mm-hmm. would know that's his power mm-hmm. and get it. And uh, so it was just there's just certain things that it totally makes sense that you read it and you're like, why why are they talking like this or or why did the character do this thing? Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, that's that's just how comics used to be. Mm-hmm. There was no internet, you know. Yeah. Um. So anyway. I don't know. Was there, there was, I feel like there was something else that was quite funny. Well, I had that Kitty you... Pride questions and then <sighs> I can't, there, there was one thing that I asked and then like point one second later, I was like, if I had just continued reading, it would have been answered, yeah. but it was explaining I, well, I, I all think... the people who were being killed and I'm, it has all of these superheroes oh, yeah. faces and I'm like, Iron Man's not a mutant. <laughs> Micah, why would they put Iron Man and Spider-Man and stuff on here? And then it literally says they're on killing the same mutant panel. and non-mutants alike. Yeah. So stupid. <laughs> well, there there was there was a couple of things that that are much like when you're watching a comic book movie where you don't you, you don't start out with like I trust that they are going to tell a good story. Uh-huh. You start with like Wait, that doesn't make sense. And then you're like, just be quiet. Yeah, the I character's know. actually about to answer the exact question you have. <laughs> yeah. Which is a funny quirk I've noticed about you and blockbuster sci-fi movies. Like Dune, you didn't walk out of that. I mean, I know you've read the book, but you didn't walk out like, now why did this, this, uh, you're like, yeah, I'm on board. I get it. <laughs> but like a Spider-Man movie, you're like, now why would the Green Goblin do this? And I'm like, <laughs> Watch the next scene in this movie. <laughs> there you go. That's why. Yeah. I can be real dumb sometimes. <laughs> but it's only specifically with blockbuster, like, PG-13 movies. That's <laughs> What's the deal with that? <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I think you just, maybe in your head, you just go with it like, they have to win me over. I'm not going to start with them having won me over. I guess. That's not very fair. <laughs> it's It's quite funny, though. But uh, so there are there are occasions, folks, to, to let you in on our watching where where sometimes I'll I'll pause it and I I have to be like Jordan, can you stop talking, please? <laughs> <laughs> but you know I got my fair fair share of craziness. Hey, you, you were know. doing all that stuff the, during one of the movies we were watching recently. I think it was, I was a colors movie. I was talking through a colors movie. Well, like you had so many questions. Oh yeah, yeah. I think it was red. I was like, wait a second. I kept yeah. on, and and yeah. So anyway, let's talk about this movie though. Uh, comics great. You should definitely read it if you have any interest in comics or X Men. Uh, the artwork great. I love. Yeah, Nightcrawler looks even cooler. Oh gosh, yeah. That it is a it, this the artwork was a, definitely a time period that I feel. Yeah, like like I recognize and. I mean, that's my favorite I era that, of, of 
artwork artwork for comics i think i would agree with you 60s and 70s because i've seen you get some spider-man comics like Uh new ones and the the thing that with me is always like the covers look so good yeah but when i open it sometimes it's just doesn't it's like sometimes it doesn't translate yeah yeah they they have to spend more time on the cover or sometimes i've seen i flipped through a couple of yours and it's just the artwork is like too much like it's too detailed And to, I don't know, it's like they spent too much time on it. Yeah, no, That's there's such a bad explanation. No, there's such a, there's such a fine line between yeah. it. And, and, and I know it comes down to preference. And, and a lot of it, like, cause I'll listen to com, uh, like podcasts about comics and, and there's certain artists that people are like, oh my gosh, like this guy's the best. Mm-hmm. Um, but what, what, and I'm forgetting who the artist is, so go figure. But the, the guy who illustrated, um, did the art for Amazing Spider-Man 801. Mm-hmm. He has this very interesting style that's almost like harkening back to the 60s, but it kind of is almost two-dimensional in a very interesting way. And it is like my favorite of like modern comics, but I I, I don't know if... I, maybe people share that opinion, but I, I don't know if people do. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it's certainly like weirdly like less cartoony but more like newspaper cartoony Hmm. and i love it yeah and i'm always like oh he did this issue so even if the story sucks it'll still be awesome Mm -hmm. uh but yeah and you know what's interesting when you're really reading a lot of comics too is is you can notice how sometimes like and and i usually don't dive this deep into my like comprehension when i'm reading them but sometimes you're just reading and you're like wow, like Vulture just doesn't look right in this whole issue. Hmm. And it's like, oh, this artist just doesn't have like the capturing of Vulture like the the last issue artist did. Or or Venom's a good example where like a lot of times he doesn't look right. But when mm-hmm. he looks right, he looks incredible. So yeah. anyway, uh, this movie though. Yeah, sorry. Let's Let's just let the cat out of the bag. This movie is very bad, I think. Yeah. Uh, and and I think it's actually maybe a little worse for me because I love the concept and the idea of how they're adapting this comic so much that the promise of it is so sad that they didn't fulfill the promise. Yeah. I mean, is it is it do superhero movies get more convoluted than this? I don't think so. And we're in multiverses now with Marvel. Yeah. And th- this was like they they have a big exposition dump at the beginning of the movie and it's like um yeah i guess i guess we're doing that yeah and it it's yeah well uh, we'll get into the specifics and and i i do get liking this movie actually because it's it's got cool concepts you know you got like this terminator idea basically mm-hmm. uh very terminator looking to me not not yeah. the machines but the future, the future. Look, definitely yeah. yeah you have i think i even wrote like we're in like a terminator future and stuff mm-hmm. And and all of that stuff, like and then like the Quicksilver sequence is one of the coolest sequences in any X Men movie. Mm-hmm. And so there's certain points where it's like, you know what? If you just forget about the fact that they're trying to tell one cohesive story, this movie rocks. Mm-hmm. But if you include that they're trying to tell one cohesive story, it's not so good. Mm. Um, but there is a lot to like. That that's what I mean to say. Oh, but I did want to amend. Speaking of comics, and then we're gonna get into the movie. Uh, last episode, I mentioned how like Wolverine can look goofy in his costume. When I was reading the second issue of 
of Days of Future Past, I was like, no, he looks so badass in his costume. So I'm wrong on that. This movie's directed by none other than, I'll say it again, super creep himself, Brian Singer, who has come back to the X-Men franchise and uh, despite allegations, will also come back for another entry before we're done talking about him. Crazy. The screenplay is by Simon Kinberg. We've talked about him. Uh, story is by Jane Goldman, Simon Kinberg, Matthew Vaughn. We've talked about all of them. Cinematography is by Newton Thomas Sigel. Talked about him. Music, John Ottman. Talked about him. The movie comes out. May 23rd, 2014, it has a $200 million budget. It makes $233 million uh, domestically and 746 worldwide. Uh, so, how did it get made? Well, when they finished The Last Stand, they, they had said, hey, this is going to be the last one. But, oh, wow, The Last Stand? Yeah, but also they had all these new actors in the series who had new contracts that were letting them, you know, sign up for sequels, stuff like that. But then they had all these old actors who all their contracts were ended. So there was a complication there. Um, but Laura Schuler Donner thought... Of the Donner, Donner Party? Of the, well, the, the, of the Richard Donners, and yes, the Donner Party. You know, the, the ones... Cannibals, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but yes, she... what like wanted to make basically like X four. Um, and so as they're working on Wolverine and then they're working on X-Men first class and all that stuff, we've talked about the last couple episodes. She, she basically pitches this movie in 2011 after they're working on first class where she's like, what if the new people who are playing them met the old people who already played them, which I think that pitch, that's a multi-million dollar pitch right there. Yeah. And and that's that's what frustrates me about this because what that is such a great angle on adapting this material because when you're reading the comic, yes, you see you see the old versions of the characters, and they have to go back in time, you know, and that's the comic is great. It's it's a cool concept, but having like oh no, there are old actors who have played them, and they're going to go back and meet the young actors. That is primo that is so brilliant and and that is why this movie is so frustrating to me yeah um because this should be like the most rewatchable x-men movie yeah because that that is so that that's like the avengers moment where it's like no way they got all of these people in the same room that we watch these separate movies yeah it's not just getting cameos yeah but sometimes with most of these actors it kind of feels like it's just cameos um but anyway, so Matthew Vaughn is going to direct the movie originally. And he had uh, this to say, <laughs> which I just think is funny. I don't know if I agree or disagree. It's just a funny quote. He said, First Class is similar to Batman Begins, where you have the fun of introducing the characters and getting to know them, but that takes time. But with the second one, you can just get on with it and have a rollicking good time. That's the main difference between Batman Begins and The Dark Knight. <laughs> And he's saying these movies do that? He, that's like his intent for the next one. Now we can get going. We got all the characters. This is not a rollicking good time. They have to meet each other again. 
in this movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I just think it's funny that he identifies that that's the main difference between Batman Begins <laughs> and The Dark Knight. Yeah, we're having so much fun. Well, Joker's <laughs> having fun, but. Well, it's just like, I feel like there's a, I don't know. I, I don't know. It's just establishing that as the key difference between the movies is odd to me. <laughs> um, and then uh, Simon Kinberg had this to say, because in the comics, they send back Kitty Pride. Yep. But in this movie, they send back Wolverine. Via Kitty Pride. Via Kitty Pride. And now I think sending back Wolverine instead, I think I'm going to put that in the brilliant category. I agree. Because he is the core of X-Men. Yep. And like Kinberg says in this quote, we made the decision for a lot of reasons. He's the protagonist of the franchise and probably the most beloved character to a mass audience. But even beyond that, having Wolverine providing the hope to Charles, I think is really nice. And that's like the emotional linchpin of the movie. And it's just like Jackman is so locked into these movies and even when they're bad, he's great. He's the foundation. Yeah, and, and we've seen Kitty Pride in another one, but carrying an entire movie, I, I just don't think it would have worked. No, I, don't, I agree. Yeah. Um, but then, uh, here's what I found out. In, in the comic book, Rachel Summers, who is the daughter of Jean Grey and Scott Summers, oh, okay. sends... Kitty Pride back because yep. she has the she's power that can do that. No, 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 that was someone else. Sorry, <laughs> doesn't even mean the same thing. Nope. But yeah, she's yeah, yeah yep. Keep going. Uh, but but it was weird because when this movie started, Kitty Pride is doing this thing where she's like sending people back in time, and I go, huh? Like that's not her power. Mm -hmm. How does that work? And they just straight up changed it. That is not a comic book thing. She can't do that in the comic books. Um. Do they not just want to add another person? Is that it? Well, I, on the so the explanation he provides, I get it, um, because he's basically like the amount of hoops we ha we would have to jump through to explain why Scott Summers and Jean Grey have a child in this universe yeah, yeah, yeah. makes no sense, right? So I think that's smart. Uh, but maybe like Charles could do it or something since he has mind powers. Yeah. It's just weird that Kitty Pride does it. Yeah. Um, and by the way, for the record, I had no idea that we had Paige returning for this movie. Mm -hmm. Or the the guy who played Bobby, uh, mm -hmm. uh, the Iceman. No, so I was genuinely or Halle like Berry. Or Halle Berry. All these people, I was like, oh, I thought only uh Patrick Stewart, Ian McKellen, and uh uh, uh Hugh, Hugh Jackman, Jackman were like the only ones from the old cast. And not to mention who we see at the end of the movie, too. So that was kind of exciting to me. I, I felt I felt that like, oh. But then Matthew Vaughn work leaves so that he can work on Kingsman instead of this movie. But he had a whole different idea of how the X-Men should go. I thought Days of Future Past should be the next one and be set in the 80s, so I wrote a treatment, and then I wrote Kingsman and got confused about which film I should direct next. Then I said to Fox, let me do Kingsman now, get somebody else in, and we'll do the 70s version, recast Wolverine, and then we do Days of Future Past with the new Wolverine and Hugh and make it the biggest spectacle we've ever seen. What? He wanted to get a, a, a past Hugh Jackman? So what he wanted to do was... Or a Wolverine. 
like yeah make a like you have the 60s first class then make a 70s movie that's that has a new wolverine in the movie and then make days of future past in the 80s where wolverine goes back and meets young wolverine which one would hugh jackman play he would play old old wolverine the one that goes back yeah see the issue that i think people would have is yeah. well one Hugh Jackman doesn't get to play the only Wolverine. That's a that's probably the biggest issue. Yeah. But then also they have that Origins movie. He doesn't age. He doesn't age. It doesn't make sense. So there's there's no reason to do that. I I I think Math I mean, hey, this is the same guy who had five f- cinematographers for first class. So I and don't He thought that it was a rollicking good time between Dark Knight and Batman Begins? Yeah. I I hey, more power to you, bud. He's probably a nice guy. How did, how did he narrow it down to one cinematographer for this one? <laughs> but even, and maybe he's just bad in interviews. You know, that's always an option. But I like how he's like, I wrote a treatment for this and I wrote Kingsman and I got <laughs> I confused, confused about which film I should make, <laughs> which makes me imagine him like sitting there and he's got like two pages, page one what and is page one. doing in my Kingsman movie? <laughs> yeah, and he's just like, huh? <laughs> um, anyway. So uh, now I'd imagine if I ever choose to watch those Kingsman movies, I will probably be like, yeah, I'm not a Matthew Vaughn fan. <laughs> Although we are going to cover Kick-Ass. Okay. Uh, yeah. Oh, now you're not excited no, about it. I just it. forgot that he did that oh, already. Yeah. Uh, Stan Lee uh, chose to go to Fan Expo in Toronto instead of shoot his cameo for this movie. <laughs> okay. I wonder if they like had a cameo. I, I think, I'm sure they did. They had their cameo for him and like it was set up. They were ready to go. And then it's like, b- like sometime before shooting, like not that far in advance. They're like, oh yeah, uh, Stan called. He's not in town. Yeah. And it's as simple as that. It's just like, okay, he doesn't want to. Uh, yeah, all right. I think he was promoting a reality TV show he was doing at the time, which was Stanley's Superhumans or something like that. What is that? Where he would like go. Well, I think he just narrated it, but there would be. Um, He'd find, like, extraordinary humans. So it's like a Ripley's Believe It or Not, but, like, superpowers, quote-unquote. Yeah, unquote. yeah. Okay. But then you have Stan being like, Excelsior, everybody. This guy can climb anything, just like Spider-Man, but he's real. Hmm. I watched an episode at Jordan Hamasu's house. Was it fun? About a guy who could climb anything like Spider-Man. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the movie was shot in native 3D. What do you mean? They mean They shot this movie in 3D. Okay, why do you call it native 3D? So they didn't oh, add that in post. Yeah, that's okay. what it means. Um, and then you're saying, you're saying you're saying native three. It's like the whole avatar thing I couldn't understand. <laughs> yeah. But it's it's shot in our native 3D, <laughs> which is just what all we all experience at all times of the day. <laughs> uh, and then uh, to to bring the mood down. Okay. Uh, like a month or two before this movie came out, uh, Singer gets another civil lawsuit of sexual assault on a minor. Yeah. Uh, now apparently his lawyer was able to submit documents that neither one of the pe- him or the victim were in Hawaii, which is where the victim said it occurred. And then in May, he's got another civil suit that comes up. <sighs> yeah. And then, um, this is just interesting. Author Brett Easton Ellis alleged that two of his former partners had attended underage sex parties hosted by singer and fellow director Roland Emmerich. And by the way, Roland Emmerich is still working. That's Moonfall and Independence what? Day. Okay, wait, Brett and Easton Ellis's like business partners attended those parties. No, like uh, I think like people he had relationships with. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay, yeah. so 
And, and though he said that he knows people who have attended those parties. Yeah, yeah. What? Yeah, so, um, yeah. And, uh, and yet they decide to uh, make another movie after this with Brian Singer. Oh, gosh. Yeah. And guess what? They'll make another movie, not X-Men, but it'll be called Bohemian Rhapsody, where halfway through... Oh, he w- yeah, they forgot about that. There's finally too much allegations, finally, finally to where they're like... Finally, one too many things <laughs> yeah. he's done wrong. To where they're like, okay, you gotta Sorry, leave Brian, this project. Sorry, Brian, you've ruined too many people's lives. Yeah, you, you, you ruined one too many. Gosh. So, yeah. And then, apparently, there is a 17-minute longer cut called The Rogue Cut. And this is Rogue's role is more consequential. Who's Rogue? That is, um, what's her name? Anna Paquin. Oh, okay. So there's like a whole plot that involves Rogue that was completely cut from the movie. If they had to cut that from the movie, it didn't need to be there in the first place. Yeah, but I don't know. There's something missing in this movie. (laughs) And so maybe they needed something there. Maybe it's not that, but. Not that. um, Trust me. And then, uh, well, I guess we can talk about the Quicksilver stuff when we get to it. So do you want to Oh, hit- have they shot that stuff? Yeah, I, I got it all Well, Evan Peters out. is new. Yeah, he is new. Not new to us, and probably not new to you, but new to the pod. Uh, He's Jeffrey Dahmer. No, no, no. More than anything else for me, he is in the movie Sleepover. That is the first thing I saw him in, and I've seen that movie dozens of times. And Haven't he seen is it. so funny in that movie, and he was like the best part of the movie. And then I'm just so happy... It's just one of those things where as he keeps popping up throughout my life, it's like, oh my gosh, that guy in Sleepover just keeps getting <laughs> it. You could, you do it, man. But that being said, he is uh, a Ryan Murphy guy. Uh, he is a, an, uh, he's an employee of Ryan Murphy. <laughs> so <laughs> any, funny, anything, pretty much anything that Ryan Murphy touches, he's, it's a good chance he's in it. Yeah. Yeah. Or he also has touched it in some way. To the point where it's like, please let him loose so we can see him. So I, so that I want to see him in other things. Yeah. Cause I'm done with that stuff. Yeah. Um, all, uh, aside from that, he is also in Never Back Down. Never Back Down. What is that? Oh, I think I've seen. Oh, yeah. I've seen this movie. That's a bad movie. But it has <laughs> uh, the, a guy from Twilight and Amber Heard. I feel like that if it sucks. if it has a guy from Twilight, my guess is it's one of the one of the vampires. Oh yeah, he's the bad vampire in the first movie. Um, oh bad! Wait, bad vampire? Who's a bad vampire? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Never mind. Know. He's bad. And then this other guy that's in it is oh he's in Sleepover. <laughs> <laughs> that's how I recognize him. But he's this guy. You look at his face. Well, for me, it's like yeah, I recognize that guy. He's not working anymore. Who who are you talking His about? His name is Sean Ferris. I mean, he's probably working. I just have... But what is he in relation to what? Oh, he's in Never Back Down. Oh, but he's not an X-Men. <laughs> no. Okay. Sorry, I, took, okay. I went on a rabbit <laughs> like, hole because I I don't I know that. who you're talking about. Anyway, that's Evan Peters, who, like, if you're a Marvel fan, he reprises Quicksilver for uh, WandaVision. Yeah. Which was fun. Uh-huh. To see him in that. Yeah. Um. Who? I mean, who else is in this movie? Who else do we talk well, about? Well... Uh well we've talked about a lot of the people. It's just some of the people well, that were in Oh, the, we've talked about Peter Dinklage before. Some of the people that were in the future, it's like they weren't they really didn't have a role, so should we focus on them or not? I don't think we need to focus on Bishop or or um, What does he do? 
Because uh, he ac- looked cool. According to this movie, he travels small increments back in time. I don't know if that's accurate to the comics. Oh, so or is not. that why she was Kitty Pride was using him? Yeah, and I like this idea where sh- where she would she would send him back in time, and then he would then change where they went, and they would like disappear, and that timeline is like deleted. Yeah, which but was that can really only work cool. for so long. I like how that. Yeah, no, was that thing that was cool. Yeah, that was cool. What does Warpath do? Because they definitely did not make that clear. Yeah, he's def. I've definitely read comics with him, and I do not remember what he did. Okay, didn't make much of an impression. Oh, he's also in Twilight. That's what I recognize him from. He's a werewolf. Uh-huh. Micah. Okay. 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 And We've then actually I thought been that where the werewolves I liked live. Bl- Blink's character. Because um, we went to Forks. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I liked Blink's powers. It was Por- Blink. The portal girl. Oh, yeah. Was that the one that's played by? Bing Bing Fan. Yes. Who was in, who was in the 355. Mm. Yeah. Which had the funniest trailer in the world to me. But anyway. And we saw that trailer so many freaking times. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I think more or less that's who we got. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, I, I don't I don't think there's really anyone else. I did notice that in this movie, there is an elf crossover event that should have shook the very foundations of everyone where Peter Dinklage is in Congress and then he's talking to the publisher of the company that uh, James, James Conn works at. Um, and I don't think they're, I, I, think, I think they I actually think we are were in prepared scenes together. for that. I don't think we were ready. I uh, no, we weren't. And I pissed my pants. <laughs> <laughs> so the movie begins and we are in the future. We're hearing Patrick Stewart saying things like it's the future and mutants are gone now. And you know what? Props to Patrick Stewart. His voice sounded really tired and sad. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's this Terminator-looking future. So um, mutants are uh, all, mutants are branded with an M over their right eye, is what it looked like. Oh yeah, I think you're right. And then they're also getting rid of people who are like mutant sympathizers, mm-hmm. as well as the Sentinels can. Did they establish in this in the movie? Sentinels can determine which humans carry a mutant gene and could pass yeah. it on through breeding. And so they're also no-nos. Yeah, so there there are there are like three levels. There's like mm-hmm. you're for us, you're against us and with the mutants, and then there's like you could be a mutant, so you're like a lowborn. Or you could produce a mutant. Yeah. Um so here is my problem I think with this movie more than anything else is I just don't think that the future stuff is quite figured out. Okay. Um, in, in terms of every time we cut back to it, it's like, here we go again. Mm-hmm. And, and as much as Ian McKellen and Patrick Stewart, well, Ian McKellen is I you could convince me he actually wasn't in the movie in like a week probably yes. yeah because he has nothing to do no and Storm I mean I I forgot I think I forgot she was in it until mm-hmm. you said Storm is in it um so wait okay wait okay sorry yeah. keep going I I'm just ramping here a little bit uh so so all all of this to say I, the stakes are huge mm-hmm. like mutant kind is gonna be disappeared. But it kind of feels like the stakes aren't that big. 
Well, what's interesting is, so is this one of those situations where this guy, Peter Dinklage, creates this AI that can determine these things? Yeah. And it's like he couldn't have known that this would cause an apocalypse because that's what we're looking at. Yeah, he was trying to prevent an apocalypse, really. But basically it caused one. Yeah. Because we don't see how, like, normal people are living. It seems like everyone's living yeah. this terrible life in the totally. future. Yeah. Um, what's your question? I'm just clarifying that. Oh, yeah. So all of that's cool, but but I just feel like we needed some more scenes in the future. Okay. And and we needed so something that I really like about the comic is that in the future, Kitty and Peter Rasputin, otherwise known as Colossus, um, are married. Mm-hmm. And so there's this exchange that they have before she gets sent back where they go, Well, what's gonna happen? Like, we won't be married anymore. And they're both like, We just have to take that risk that we won't have this life we live together. Mm-hmm. And so you have like, like it, it's easy to say, hey, all the mutants are going to die. That not that big and scary? But but having something really personal like that in that comic really, really attaches me to the future part more than it would be if it was just, like, only mutants. Yeah, because they don't, they don't talk about other implications like that. Yeah, and I know you can tell that this movie is not, it's more concerned about the past stuff because that's mm-hmm. the fun stuff. Mm-hmm. But I, I feel like when I'm reading the comic, every time it jumps to the future, I'm always like, whoa, this is so interesting. Yeah, I thought it was... And this I, movie doesn't do that. I actually liked in the comic better how they set it up where um, mutants, they, they aren't... I, it's, it's like, it's so easy to execute a mutant that they're basically, it's basically genocide. Mm-hmm. But if you are a mutant, you can live in this camp. I mean, yeah. that just sounds like a concentration camp i mean that's what it is yeah but um so it's not like the sentinels are straight up just like looking for mutants to murder them they're like capturing them and keeping them all in one place yeah i think eventually they would kill all of them yeah but so so like the comic starts with kitty pride being on the outside doing i mean we she meets wolverine and gets a thing from him but she's also doing other stuff yeah and she gets back to the camp this is where she lives with the other mutants. I, I like how there's kind of like a system mm-hmm. in place. And this, it's just so dystopian that there is no structure at left, which yeah. movie wise makes it easier for them yeah. to gloss over the future stuff. But yeah, no, no, no. I, I think that's a, that's a really good point. It, it just feels like, and and again, I, you've heard this on the podcast before with us that like I think adaption should be different. Yeah. Like for example, I think the change to have Wolverine do it is a better change for the the movie. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, but it, it it they are just so uninterested with the future stuff, and it does feel like we just got to paint by the numbers here, get through all of this dialogue as fast as we can, do this fight scene that looks pretty bad, and like kill some people and get the stakes out there as quick as we can so we can get to the good stuff. Okay, yeah. So in this first part, we we see mutants in like an underground bunker and yeah. the sentinels discover them. Yeah. So there is a fight scene, like you said. Um, and during this fight scene, Kitty Pride and Bishop go into a like a safe. Uh-huh. And she is projecting his consciousness in the past. Yeah. 
Although we don't, I mean, I don't know that yet. Um, and meanwhile, everyone else is fighting the Sentinels. This is when it's demonstrated that the Sentinels can mimic mutant powers. Yeah. It's basically showing you they're impossible to beat. Yeah. So all of these mutants start getting killed. Like we, uh, it was a surprising, it was surprising to see Iceman, the same actor, um, as well as yeah. Elliot Page. But, yeah. um, so they're getting killed. So it is kind of like, what's going on here? And then we see that Bishop is sent back. Well, Bishop disappears as well as Kitty Pryde. Everyone disappears because this never happened. Yeah. So like you said, Kitty Pride is projecting his mind to the past to inform them of the future so that they can make a different decision. And so with what we just saw, because of that happening, they decide to go to like China. <laughs> yeah. I don't know where they started. Though they, they were in New York city. Well, I don't know if they were in New York city, but I the think they establishing were. shots were New York city. How did they get to China? And they just teleported. Right. Cause I, they, they change time every time they go back. Okay. So yeah, it's it, not that important, yeah. but yeah. So now, now they're in like ancient Chinese ruins, which yeah. looked cool. Cool. Set. Yeah. Um, and when they get there, they're, they're establishing like, we, we can't keep doing this. This isn't yeah. going to work in the long run. And that's when professor X Magneto and Wolverine show up and are like, guys, we're here and we got a plan. Yeah. And and so it's like it's fine the the fight and I I wonder how much of this has to do cuz there was parts of this movie that looked I don't want to say bad cuz it wasn't bad but there were parts that just looked a little odd to me and then mm -hmm. I read that it was shot in 3D and I was like oh I wonder if something is happening there with yeah. my brain um but yeah this fight with the sentinels was a really like okay I did like the portal stuff. I think that portal stuff. Good. I guess. Yeah. I, I like, I like that stuff's cool. It, it was just a bummer. Cause pretty immediately I was like, Oh, this is not a good, this is not going to be a good. Movie. Well, it's just such a boring set to have a first fight scene. on. Yeah. There's just like underground bunker thing. I feel like I'm watching a fast and furious movie. We're in some kind of garage. Yeah. I don't know. It was just, it was stale. Well, and, and I mean, juxtapose that with the Wolverine, which we talked about last week. And of course, that's a flashback to the past at the beginning of the movie. But the stakes are just as huge. Mm -hmm. End of humanity, in a way. The atomic bomb is being dropped. Yeah. And yet you have this really personal, emotional moment between him and this man that will then dictate the rest of the movie. Well, that's that's what you're describing is, the I think story-wise, especially for big epics like this, it's I think it is important to have like a small core emotional component. You got to. That makes you invested in the characters. You have to have that. So I, I definitely agree with that. When and when I saw Kitty Pride. Oh wait, and sorry. And they they do the, that small emotional core, but they save it for the very end of the movie, which with is Wolverine and Jean. They 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 save that because what happens in the movie? I, what, what yeah? What happens? Brings with... her back. She never died. Oh yeah yeah yeah. And, and like that's their emotional little core to this. Right. But I, I mean, like, how could they show us this? They couldn't. But I mean, maybe they could have where Wolverine's like. Wait, you, if I go back, would this change yeah, the yeah, thing? Yeah, they could do something like that. But and do you know, it's what, like, do you know what I mean? Because at the yeah. end of the movie, when you see Gene, it's like, holy crap. What? Yeah. It's crazy. Well, yeah. And, and the X-Men movies have been really good at being like balancing a huge cast of characters. Yeah. And I think that this movie's the first one that really doesn't do that well. Yeah. I mean, first class definitely has some not so great characters. 
I did like this more than first class. I gotta say. We'll get to the rankings for me. Okay. Uh, but this movie's better than first class. <laughs> okay. okay. <laughs> um, but but I felt like in the future we even have characters that we spent time with, uh, and and I I really didn't care for any of them. Like like I didn't feel like there was really any pressure on their mission. It was always like just get back to the past, just give, and that's yeah. just a problem. That's yeah, yeah, yeah. I I really think that that is the main problem with this movie. Yeah, I think if that were to be fixed, this this movie would be so much better. It's crazy. I know. I just do think maybe if they had spent more time establishing a life in the future, not just they they're they're establishing that they're on the run. Yeah, but in the the comic, they establish that there is some semblance of life. Right. So, although it's very depressing, uh huh. And and I think they're they just they're, that's what this movie it lacks at the beginning. Yeah. I, I think that's a good way to put it. Yeah. And I, I think, I don't know if this is always wrong, but they, they just introduce characters we haven't seen before. And I know it's a movie, so it's just fun to do that. I'm always a fan for that. Mm-hmm. What, what new powers can I see? But maybe they, sh- they should have done more than that. More people we knew from past movies that have been in these movies. Yeah. Not, not like this, not, go hardcore with it but just maybe a couple more i know we had we have Iceman and kitty pride but maybe a couple others yeah well i mean why why can't they just all be together and they haven't i, I don't know i don't know well yeah because then that just poses and they probably said it but it's like where were they yeah they're probably doing their own thing trying to figure out their own mission and then yeah. had a small idea but i don't know it just it yeah. just doesn't the, the future stuff doesn't work yeah. it just doesn't and 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 i really think like I, I and I thought Bobby looks at Kitty Pride with this like longing look before he dies in that first scene. And I thought, oh, they're gonna do like they had a relationship and that's gonna be the the key. Yeah. Instead of her and Colossus. Um But they just don't do anything. They just don't do anything. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. But uh then there's the scene where, where they go. Okay, so here's the deal. Um, there's this guy. Oh Trask. my gosh, this is so. This fast. is one of the worst expedition exposition d- dumps I've ever seen. It's nuts. And I think it's Kitty Pride, right? It's a, it's several people. I think Kitty Pride's okay. doing stuff, so, but Patrick Stewart's doing stuff. Yeah, Trask. He's this guy who made the Sentinels. Okay, the Sentinels. And you know how that they they can change? That's because of Mystique's DNA, which he got. He got her DNA. And then when he did that, it was because she tried to kill him, and she did kill him. But she, that's not the only time she killed him, which they never explain in they the movie. They don't. They don't, but, but they say that. They say they say that's the first time she killed him, which implies many times, which I thought, oh, is there like multiple timelines like or something? There's like a loop or something at some point? I don't know. Nope. nope. Probably yeah. cut in the in the rogue cut yeah. of the movie. And they're like, okay, so all of that. So if we go back in time and we stop that from happening, then the Sentinels are never going to get that DNA. Boom. Okay, that works when you're summarizing it on a podcast. But in a movie, that's bad writing. Yeah. Uh, and so now here's a detail that was good. And I think kind of just is the like. The Wolverine of it all. The Wolverine where they're like, none of us can do it because it will destroy you. But oh, Wolverine. Yeah. And then Wolverine's like, but what if someone can regenerate while they're being destroyed? And they're like, okay, we can send you back. Yeah. Because it'll destroy the mind of the person. That's yeah. why they can't send Charles back. Yeah. Um, 
And then in this scene, and this was me not trusting the movie. This was me pulling a Jordan because first class ends with Professor X being paralyzed. Yeah. Which didn't make any sense in the timeline of the movies. And this movie, I'll give it credit, it fixes, I think, every timeline issue (laughs) that first class posed. Which, it's a broader issue about film franchises. There's also, like, I guess we don't need to explain every little detail. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Um, But all of that to say, um, he's like, before Wolverine goes, he goes, oh, yeah, but I was walking then. Or something like that. And you're Does like, he say he was walking? Huh? I didn't think he said that. I don't think he said that. Or, he, or just, no, he, he said, just said I, I was a very different person back then. He, like, he, you're no, going to have a hard time. Yeah, and he's like, I don't have my powers then. Like, yeah, I couldn't mind read. And I was like, huh? Uh-huh. What are you talking about? Yeah. And since first class did so many weird things that I, it taught me to not trust this movie. Yeah. But then they do wind up uh, explaining it. But it's also like, man, if only first I class. I did not like this. I did not like the, the this made no, is this in the comic? No. Okay. No. Okay. So just to jump forward. Uh, well, so Wolverine gets sent back in time. He finds Xavier. The school for the youngsters has been disbanded between first class and the seven, 1973. Yeah. And um, so it's just, it's not even a school anymore. It's just this giant mansion that uh, Beast lives in with Professor X, who's not a professor anymore. He walks. He's basically a drug addict. That yeah. mean, they they they're not like that's not they're not sugarcoating it. He's basically a drug addict because the beast did finish the serum that he can give to mutants that allows them to like control their physical attributes. Uh-huh. Meaning Professor X can walk. Well, that's not a that's not a mutant thing, but it does fix his paraly- para- him being paralyzed. Yeah. As well as it makes Nicholas Holt be Nicholas Holt for a lot of the movie. They, yeah. they probably save so much money. Um and then, because of that, though, Professor X loses his powers because he's be, like become uh-huh. addicted to this drug. This is the but convoluted I, stuff you're then, talking like, about. It's just like this man. So this this okay. First class ends. It, you know, it's sad in a lot of ways because Magneto and him split. Mm-hmm. He loses Mystique, his pet. And at the end of the movie, he's with Rose Byrne, and he's like, "We're gonna make a school, and it's gonna be great, and we're gonna be X Men, and this is gonna be awesome." And then we find out that he couldn't keep it together. Yeah. And the school doesn't last as a school very long and he's just too weak of a man to do anything. Yeah. So he just lets it all crumble and he's just too emotional about losing his pet mystique. Yeah. That's so lame. I I that's not what I think what I think is lame. Uh but go go further with it. I I just don't I don't know. I just did not need Professor X to go through this. Yeah this weird i i don't know i just did not like it i just did not like it because the the last movie ended so strong in his ideals yeah and not to say that because like yeah he's mutant but he's still human so he can still struggle uh so i think they're trying to showcase that but it just feels like they're they're taking back a lot from what he learned in the last movie yeah i don't i i didn't feel that way i actually like this character uh idea Hmm. and i like it because i like this idea that this man full of hope has to be convinced by himself the future self that he must hope again and i i think that theme is really nice between him and patrick stewart later on i that's a good scene yeah 
and and I'm I mean this is like the last Jedi thing where it's like uh, I mean it's not to the quality of last Jedi don't get me wrong and this is way few fewer years in between mm-hmm. uh, uh, but happening but it's like I like when it's like hey this guy changed and and it's for the worse he changed I, for the worse like Luke Skywalker you I know think, I think I, what I would have liked better is is he doesn't get weird super depressed or anything but like instead he because because he teaches mutants that's a school uh-huh. but he's also there to protect them yeah and i i think it would be this is so preferential but it would be more interesting if all he doing all he's doing is just acquiring mutants to only protect them and not teach them ways that they can use their powers for good because of what he learned from the last movie that humans have discovered mutants are real and they want to literally blow them up. I mean, that's a good idea for sure. So his response is, I am going to gather all these mutants together to teach them and teach them how to control their powers, but also kind of like just simply protect them, not, not teach them how to contribute to society. Yeah, I think no, no, that, that, that I, yeah, personally I, I, see I would mean. like that more. And I think that would still give him like that, that that just shows that he has he's a man of fear. He's being driven yeah. by like ultimately in the end of the day, Professor X is being driven by fear uh-huh. and has to be convinced that hope can help him overcome his fear. Yeah. That's that's pretty good. Um But that that's like sim- that's changing so much and that's Yeah. What, if, if you don't think it needs to be fixed at all, it doesn't really matter. Yeah, well, what I don't like about it is the whole serum thing at all. Yeah. And and it's all because, basically, they need to explain why he would be able to walk in the 80s because of the X-Men, the mm-hmm. last stand scene, which also doesn't make, make sense, sense because he uses his powers. He uses his powers. So it's like that scene, you just have to pretend it doesn't exist because you did the stupid thing of paralyzing him in the 60s. Mm-hmm. Um. But no one needed to see that. No one needed it. No, in the last it movie. could have. It could have just happened off screen, or it could have been like the third movie. It happens, mm-hmm. or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's like they're trying. They're going so far out of their way to like explain a plot hole. I also and and I, and, and they just don't need to. I think that this is something that they're at a huge disadvantage when they do this, and the last movie falls under this too. They again set this in a very prominently historical time. Last yeah. movie was the Cuban Missile Crisis. This time it's the end of Vietnam and the implications of Vietnam. Yeah. And gosh, they just bogs the movie down so freaking much. And I, I think I would prefer a world where, I don't know, I just don't think like we needed Nixon in this movie. It's like, well, he's already <laughs> a bad president, so we can make him worse. Yeah. By making him like, okay, all of this stuff. And it's like, just make it a fictional president. I don't know. We, we just didn't need that. We didn't, I, I, I what I've liked about, the one comic that I read uh-huh. is that it is like 1980 yeah. and there is like, there is political stuff. I mean, the Senate passed all of this Sentinel stuff, but it's not like fraught with these deep historical things, which I think, I think what I'm saying is bogs the movie down even more. Yeah. Well, it's, it's tough to have like a bad impersonator of Nixon in a movie. That's yeah. tough. Um, and and it's always such a weird fine line to have people play actual presidents. There's something about mm-hmm. it where it's like it's just hard to pull off. Mm-hmm. It's it's better to me to like actually even in the comic book in Days of Future Past they do show the president in the second one and he's clouded in shadow. 
Mm. And they don't sp- say like Mr. Obama or whatever. I know it's the 80s. Uh, whoever was president in 1980. Mr. Reagan, I don't know. Yeah, they don't say that. It's yeah. just like Mr. President, yada, yada. And he's, he's, you can't see his face. And I'm like, that that's a better approach, I, I think, think so because too. you're watching they, this they and you're like, like they nailed the nose, around. but he doesn't, he didn't nail the, the and you just have just have to wrap your head around just like the historical thing of it all. Yeah, I don't know. I, I that being said, you like, can't tell was, me you was, didn't like the JFK thing though. Oh no, that was interesting. Yeah, that, was that was so fun. interesting. But that's all like off screen stuff, and I yeah. don't know. And, and like the Vietnam part in the movie. Uh-huh. With the mutants there, it is interesting to think like, oh, so well, I mean, we know that mutants have fought in wars because Wolverine has fought in wars, uh-huh. but um, that that was a little interesting to see that. But I, I just think it, I just think it's a lot. It's just a lot. Yeah, I just yeah. think they complicated an already complicated storyline. Uh huh. I mean, I, I think all this stuff is pretty pull offable. They just didn't. Yeah. That's kind of what I feel like. Um, but but cut the serum. Uh, I don't need the serum. The serum, I think, is dumb. But even having him like, hey, this Magneto thing and this Mystique thing caused me to uh, become an alcoholic. Yeah. And I, I'm like, it's de- look, it's dead in my powers. I'm like so addicted to alcohol that it's like ruined my ability. And now I'm addicted to drugs and it's I can't use my powers anymore yeah and i shut down the school and beast is the only one that's hanging out with me anymore yeah which i don't know i don't know if it's i think it's just at the end of the series i will just prefer the first three x-men over all of these yeah because i i just don't care for and i'm sure this is in the comics i just don't care for professor x having such an attachment to mystique i don't think that's in the comics at all oh okay i think it i don't I'm, know I'm especially sure, especially but... in the last movie they just mistreated Mystique so freaking much. Yeah. Where she literally was just a woman who was naked. Well. And two men wanted her. Uh, well. But, and then in this movie, but like, she, he can't. No, no, In this movie, he can't get over it. And now I'm like, okay, wait, is he in love with her or is this his sister? I can't tell anymore. Yeah, no, but you're forgetting her, her quality of oh. wearing skirts, Jordan. Oh that was God. another quality she had, which I think maybe you kind of forgot about. I don't care for it. I don't care for this, like, incestual love triangle <laughs> that they can't really commit to that beast is also in somehow yeah 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 so it's a love square i don't know what's happening well okay now we got an idea for a movie uh that's gonna be in w is for wolverine the movie jack was pitching last week mm. uh but yeah so yeah wolverine catches up to the professor in the scene that we've been discussing we do get a huge jackman butt we do get a like pretty get graphic a full on body, but. but yeah, um, and he does like beat up a bunch of guys, which is fun with his bone claws, and he's like surprised that his claws have bones in them. Mm-hmm. I like that. Uh, but when he goes there, Prof- Char- Professor X gets to use the f word against mm-hmm. Wolverine, which was fun. Well, that's because he says, "I'm going to tell you oh, the, the yeah. thing that you told me years ago." F off, mm-hmm. and I'm like, it is kind of fun. It. I think they use the F word really well in the X-Men movies. I think so too. If they do anything well, it's the F word. I mean, the beauty of the one F word, PG-13 F word, and and X-Men movies nail it. Mm -hmm. And I think Marvel, uh, it makes me think we need an F word in Marvel. That would be huge, man. That would would make um, headlines. It truly would. Oh, yeah. 
But I, you know what? Honestly, it would have to be. It would have to be like Wolverine. It'd have to be like Wolverine shows up and says it. Yeah. Or, or Deadpool. I guess if Deadpool shows up in that's a low hanging fruit. Yeah, but <laughs> honestly, if Deadpool showed up in like an Avengers movie, and he just like walked on screen and like looked at the camera and was surprised he was there, said the f word and left, that would be ten out of ten f word usage. And he wasn't in the rest of the movie. <laughs> That's a Ryan Reynolds cameo I can get behind. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, everybody. Uh, we're going to be here for the next Fridays until the earth shatters away. <laughs> uh, okay, so we find out that Magneto killed JFK, or so we think. Who he else could a curve bullet, a bullet? Like James McAvoy did in Wanted. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, then we get Mystique as Peter Dinklage looking up Sent- Sentinel stuff. Okay. So she's starting to learn what's going on. She's, she's on finding her own. out that they're that okay, well we do know that Peter Dinklage Trask has been experimenting on mutants for a while now. Yeah. And he's basically killing them through uh-huh. his experiments. Yeah. So she gets more motivation to do something very serious about this issue. I think the mystique is pretty decent in this. Well, movie. in a way, she's back as MVP because she gets she the ball is, rolling. She is running the plot. Yeah, like like the other ones, um, and then basically these three guys: Beast, McAvoy, uh, or Charles X. I mean, uh, and Wolverine. Wolverine have to go get Magneto because they need all the help they can get to stop yeah. Mystique from killing Trask. Yeah, so they got to go. They got to find a guy that can help them get into the Pentagon, so that Wolverine knows a kid. Wolverine knew him. Yeah. Uh, how did Wolverine know him? I can't remember. I would guess that he, at some point in when the X Men Quicksilver joins, maybe in like two thousand eight oh. or something, and he's okay. like, "I know that this kid is alive." True. True. Yeah. We just got to find him. So they find Quicksilver. Introduce Evan Peters. His hair is pretty bad. I'm just gonna put that out there. It's like a bad wig. Oh, I think. oh yeah, yeah. Now, um, now, uh, quick trivia: Who plays this same character in the MCU? Well, I know it's the the guy that is okay. Wait, it's Aaron Taylor Green Johnson. Johnson. Yep, Aaron Taylor Johnson. Yeah, and why was he not allowed to be called Quicksilver in the MCU? Well, because they didn't have the rights. You got it. So, what was he called? I think they just I called think he was him called his Adidas. Name. Because that was the shoes he was wearing. <laughs> I, I think he was just called... Um, His name. Yeah, like Peter, I think. Yeah, okay. Peter Maximoff. Okay. So, son of Magneto. What? Yeah. Really? I think so, which they don't do in this movie. No. Wait a second. What the heck? Let me... They definitely don't do that in this movie. No, but let me see if that's a true fact then. Quicksilver X-Men. Let me take a note. <laughs> uh, I just looked up X- Quicksilver's father. The mutant. He was the result of an affair between Miss Maximoff and the mutant Eric Lensher. Who's Maximoff? I don't know. Miss Mac it's Miss Maximoff to you. Yeah. Oh, I think I think in the next movie they're gonna talk about it actually. 
Oh, okay. And then I think I think uh, Miss Wanda, of course, is also Wanda. What's her name? Wanda Vision. <laughs> Wanda Wanda Maximoff. Yeah, yeah. That's she's she's the daughter of Magneto as well. Oh, are they twins? Uh, maybe. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. Anyway. Okay, well, okay. So Wolverine slash Hugh Jackman is the foundation best part of this movie. But once we get to Evan Peters, this is the best part of the movie. Yeah. Um, when he's in it, and he's not in it for very long, unfortunately. Yeah. In the grand scheme of it all. This in- intro scene was very funny. He's playing ping pong with himself. Now, what's funny, this is just funny. He does go to his arcade and play Pong, mm-hmm. and the video game is sped up, which mm-hmm. is not how video games work mm-hmm. uh, but micah it looked cool and it w- it like showcased yeah, the characters it's just funny that it's like oh that you made that decision huh <laughs> but yeah and he's kind of like okay yeah let's do it i think it, they did a good job of showing of like this is a person who lives he lives in the fast lane micah yeah oh and fast. he is su- it's like as if he assumes that everyone else is like like it's normal for him to be as weird and quirky and fast and zoomy and jumps from one subject to the other. Cause that's yeah. the world he lives in. Yeah. When no one else can keep up with them. And I, I love him in it. I think he's great in this movie. And, mm-hmm. and that's another of the, like, so number one, you got the future stuff needs to be fixed. Number two, why isn't Evan Peters in the rest of the movie after this? Mm-hmm. Number three, but kind of number one uh, maybe my biggest sin against this movie. There's no reason to redesign the Sentinels. They look terrible in this movie. The original designs are amazing, and that is so comic booky. I think they could have married the two better but or they, at all. But no, it, it's it's very dumb. And and having them in the '70s have kind of like an Apple Mac- Macintosh look is not doesn't make any sense. It should have made them more like Iron Giant like. That would make way more sense, yeah. and that's kind of how Sentinels look. So. I don't know. They didn't look like that in the comic books to me. They were giant things wearing tights. That's what they looked like to me. They're so awesome. I'm it, not it's, saying they're not awesome. It's mostly the face that I... The that faces I, are the best part. That's that's mostly what I need. Yeah. And but you know that they were just wearing tights, right? Yeah, I guess you're right. But <laughs> I love it. And 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 it's. I think it's very stupid that they changed the design. One of the dumbest yeah, things boring. they've ever done it, in be, Because it's movies. like... Yeah, I've seen Transformers. Yeah. yeah. When this is nothing new to me. And when they when they establish that like the new generation has the mystique gene, I'm like, okay, I get it. But when you show me the old ones, I want to see the old ones. And then I want them to be clunky and bolts are just yeah, flying off them. But it should be Iron Giant meets the old design. Yeah. That's what it should be. Yeah. Because it doesn't make sense that they would make sleek designs no. when sleek designs weren't in yet. No. no one had thought to do that. No. Um Yeah. So then they go to breakout uh They go to the Pentagon. Yeah. And Quicksilver goes in uh, underground. Um, duct tapes the guy in the elevator. Duct tapes the guy in the elevator. Very funny. Yeah. Ta- uh, per- impersonates the prison guard. Goes in alone to Magneto's cell. Breaks the glass by Breaks hitting glass. it re- or like fast and small until it shatters. Mm-hmm. Gets Magneto out holds his head and he's like what are you doing and he's like it's so you don't get whiplash and then, i love that that was cool oh yeah and when they open the door he flies by and then you see all of the guards just like fly into the air great that was great awesome uh-huh i mean i mean so awesome and then we get to the coolest scene in the movie yeah where they're in the kitchen and this is when they meet up with the rest of the bros yeah um but then they're caught by all of the other prison guards yeah and they all have guns um 
and they all shoot. But then we see it in Quicksilver's perspective. Yeah. And everything stops. Time slows. It's the the um, sprinklers are going off. Mm-hmm. Wolverine is slowly unsheathing his claws, mm-hmm. and they're all getting ready. And then it starts playing Time in a Bottle by Jim Croce. Mm-hmm. And he starts running through and moving everyone so that by the time after like a second has happened. I mean, it's like half a second. Yeah, they like, yeah, even less because otherwise the bullet would kill them. All the bullets miss and they wind up like punching each other Mm -hmm. on accident, like punching themselves. Not only is it cool, it's funny. It's, it is the best scene in the movie. So how'd they do it? One of the best scenes in the franchise. Yeah. Uh, so what they did, they did a couple of different things. So the uh, most of the water and like most of the things in the air are CG generated. Right. Yeah. Um, so you have like the close-up shots where they're filming uh, Evan Peters with like a huge fan just like blowing okay. his face around, and they're shooting it at a really high frame rate, slowing it down. Okay. And a green screen, and then putting it in. Then they're just doing something kind of simple. Where, like, let's say you have a shot where he's going to run, pull up the guy's pants, mm-hmm. and then move a guy's arm. So he he just does it, the actor. Mm-hmm. And the actors just stand still while he does that to them. And then they just stay still. And then when they're editing the movie, they can, like, actually freeze the actor. Okay. With, like, you know, just, like, pause that body. So when he moves them, it actually pauses and they're not breathing or anything. And then... On top of that, they did actually have the room, and he was able to like be on wires and run around. Oh, fun! That sounds fun. Yeah. So then that coupled with like green screen treadmill footage, they're able to push put all those things together in different areas, blend them, replace a lot of stuff digital, some not digital, but maybe more practical than I would have guessed. That that's one of those things where you see it and you're like, man, that must have been a fun day i mean i know it took more than a day but a yeah. fun day to be a vfx artist yeah and i don't think vfx artists get that many fun days <laughs> right um but yeah it it looks amazing and and they did it so well yeah uh and i and, and i did see because i started watching a scene and i'm like this must have been cut and it was a breakdown of him and then i was like oh this is age of apocalypse or i mean x-men apocalypse oh so we get another quicksilver oh, scene in very apocalypse cool. very cool um so that's all great. And then they get Magneto on a plane. So is this when they go to Paris? Because there's like a Paris Accords meeting, like a UN thing. Uh, yeah, but but on the plane, there's some important stuff. Okay. And actually, I like the plane scene a lot. Okay. I think this is like the strong suit of the movie. Because there's a chessboard in it? Well, you know I like it a plate at a chess. Uh, but... What is discussed is there's this moment where Charles is just going, Magneto, you, you like, a, what does he say? You abandoned me. Yeah. You abandoned me and you started your whole thing and all that stuff. And then. You took my pet away from me. Yeah. And then Magneto goes, you abandoned mutant kind. Look at you. You're not even using your powers. You were supposed to find these people and help them. And now you're not doing anything. And I love that. Mm-hmm. I, I do love in a movie when the bad guy's like, hey, I have this valid point, and you're like, yeah, the bad guy's right. Mm-hmm. And that's their cool dynamic as heroes and villains. Mm-hmm. Um, and Wolverine just watches. Yeah. And he does, like, he cr- kind of crushes the plane, and then he, like, Magneto uncrushes does. it. Yeah. Yeah, not Wolverine. Um, he, he also explains that he tried to st- stop the bullet in JFK, and that's why... Uh, yeah, 
it 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 like curved weird. <laughs> yeah. And he, and he also said that that JFK was a mutant. <laughs> Oh my gosh! It, it was an immediate like th- he says JFK's a mutant. Pause the movie, <laughs> and I looked up what JFK's mutant powers are. Uh-huh. Uh He was telepathic, so he yeah. he was a Professor X. Basically, I mean that's what it said. He he can control well, not control, but he can do what Professor X can do. Yeah. So that makes me think. Oh, okay. So he like manipulated, manipulated his way into becoming president. <laughs> yeah interesting it's just it's immediately you think of how people can use powers and especially mind control powers it's like (laughs) how do they use these incorrectly (laughs) and i i thought i did a funny bit do you remember my funny bit no because you were like so his mutant power is this and i said are you serious Uh, yeah and you kept explaining it and i kept acting like i i thought you were telling me the truth about jfk um i was wait are are you serious i was (laughs) every president that we've had is a mutant Really? Yeah. So what's what are the last few presidents' mutant powers from well, from our lifetime? So I think this Bush one's pretty on. obvious, and I think you would know this. Uh-huh. I, I'm just going to remind you yeah. that Donald Trump has the mutant ability to turn into a carrot. That is true. I and mean, it, that's just... I, I mean, it's, he's basically trying so hard to not be a carrot. I have yet to see him as a human, from yeah. my estimation. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Joe Biden has the powers of um, someone who thinks that they're young in an old man's body. Well, I think he just has... <laughs> I, actually, he might not be mutant. I think he just might have narcolepsy. <laughs> uh, Bush has... He he can sense... Which one? Uh, well, George Bush. He can sense weapons of mass destruction, or at least we thought he could. Oh, yikes. <laughs> I, don't, I don't like this anymore. Uh, and then Obama. <laughs> no, or his mutant ability was Dick Cheney. <laughs> <laughs> Certainly a mutant. Yeah. I think we can all agree on that. Um, well, what was Obama's? Uh, uh, I mean, he's just cool. Cool as ice. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, so we did do that on this episode, so I guess... I can't believe we did that. (laughs) I I ran out real fast. Ran out of steam real fast. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we did, so, so he says all that stuff, and then he, he does pull out a chessboard, and he's like, Charles, let's play, for like old time's sake, kind of a Mm -hmm. thing. And, I, I mean, that is like, number one, I, I think that, is it Kinberg who said, like, Wolverine is the main character of the series yeah he he's right he's right but i i do think like number two very easily is the relationship between charles Mm -hmm. and eric and totally yeah and uh, you know like like i said in other episodes it's insane that we have all the main x-men movies have magneto and xavier in it very cool I don't know about Apocalypse. That's the only one I'm okay. unsure of. But I know that he's in um, Dark Phoenix because I remember seeing him in the trailers. Oh, okay. Um, boy, I I can't wait to have seen it so that we can talk about it, but I don't want to see that movie. Same. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so in Paris, Peter Dinklage is giving his pitch for the Sentinels. So is he just trying to get funding outside of the U.S. government? Oh, I I didn't pick up the politics. I, I just of it's it. been a couple of days, so I just don't remember. But that's what he's trying. It's been a couple. Uh, of oh, days. it's been a couple hours. I mean, no, Jordan. Um, this this po- we're, we watch this movie in the future. 
We went back to prevent ourselves from I watching the movie because we today. didn't actually like it that much. So yeah, he's there to do stuff. Oh yeah, he's okay. Yeah. So but before that, we were at a French dance club, uh-huh. and Mystique is there, and she seduces this guy, uh, and basically incapacitates him so she can become him, and she is at this meeting with Trask. Yeah. And this is the this is the moment where she will shoot him and kill him. This is the first time she killed him. She would have killed him. Wink, wink, I guess. <laughs> so Did, it, I, I do genuinely want to know, although by the time this episode comes out, I will not remember this. Because, this, Jordan, this is an episode that's coming out in May. So uh, I, I won't remember, but can someone tell me if the movie explains that fact, if you rewatched it, and, and if the movie explains why they said... Mystique killed him for the first time and then didn't proceed to explain anything. Or if we just, just didn't hear it correctly. Two yeah. people watching the same movie. Um, but uh, we watch a lot of movies, so. But but I flash forward to my sister being like, well, actually, uh, Charles said this. And I'm like, what movie are you talking about? Yeah. Here's a question. So Mystique has a very iconic look uh-huh. that is naked. And yeah. well, when I was reading the comic, Mystique had a costume. Yeah. And you've read several... X Men comics. I when when read. did when does she get to the point where she's just com- like doesn't wear clothes? Uh, I don't know. But I you've have, read some with her, like like that. That's her thing, right? I I am pretty sure. I don't think they just made that up when they made the first X Men movie. That but, she doesn't wear clothes. I think yeah. that would be. Oh yeah, no, I'm not. I don't think that either. I don't think that either. But I don't know when that happened. Um, I was just I was just curious because it was. I, reading the comic, she was just blue and fully yeah. clothed. I would imagine that. I would imagine that they couldn't do that. In the oh, I don't think so. Then. I think that'd be wild. so. It would probably be like a '90s or 2000s thing. Okay. Well, I guess it had to be '90s because X Men came out in '99. Um, '99. Yeah. The, oh, the movie. The first X Men movie. Yeah. So, okay. I, assuming that, I I did want to look look that up. Um, but I, I, I'm not really sure how to look that up. When was Mystique naked? I feel like that's going to get me down the wrong like path. Like phases of Mystique in Marvel Comics. History of Mystique's costume. That's that's the Google. Yeah. Okay. So, But I can't do that because I don't want to do much editing. No, I don't have my phone, so I don't care to do it right now. <laughs> so, okay. So she is uh, impersonating this other person. Yeah. I, I did like this. So Peter Dinklage is giving his presentation and he has this little handheld thing that'll tell him what a mute when if there's a mutant present yeah we find out okay he got her she's a mutant she turns back into her original form yeah and fight scene leads up to her with a gun gonna Uh shoot peter dinklage why are you laughing well i i found it (laughs) okay uh it looks like it looks like she she has one, two, three, four, f- and the fifth costume is the naked costume. Oh, okay. Um, after some time, she briefly wore a more elegant and sexier costume. Sexier this, than naked? This consisted of a full body suit and a shiny black material with, oh wait, I'm reading the wrong one. When Mystique tried to save Toad, she was genetically changed by Prosh's machines. As a result, her default physical state now featured scales and her hair was shortened and slicked back. Wait, her... Her appearance was changed at some point. Yeah, that's so. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa! Note: 
This was clearly done to make Mystique look the same as she did in the successful X-Men movie. It is unknown whether the scaly state is still her default form and Mystique only shapeshifts into her old template because she likes it more. So it is a movie thing. So the movies, they decided to just make her naked. Okay, isn't that kind of bonkers that, that they just put this, made this wild. lady naked? That, no, that's so wild. This is P, that's a PG-13 movie. And it's wild that the MPAA, who famously sucks, was like, yeah, we're okay with this. Well, that's not that wild. It's wild to me that they, because they, they disproportionately look at sexual content. Yeah. And it's wild to me that if, if in it, 1999, they wouldn't be like, you know what? You need to either cut her or we give it a R rating. They would say that about uh, in Watchmen more than they would about this movie. In Watchmen, what's his name? Dr. Manhattan? Yeah. He's... <laughs> well, he is peeing out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, that wouldn't fly. No, and it didn't. That movie no, was rated it didn't. R. I, I'm, just say, I'm just saying I, I think... Classically in movies, yeah, we uh, movies get away oh, with revealing women's bodies. I see, I more see what you're men. saying. Yeah, there were no nipples, so I think I guess that's the cutoff. Fine. That's the cutoff. No nips, <laughs> and you're good. Okay, that's pretty crazy, actually. Yeah, but you can have nips if you're. Well, I guess it was a different time because 1999, or was it 99? It might be it was 96. A movie came out uh, called Titanic that has nudity in it. And oh, it's but PG-13. That's, that's a sweeping historical romance. Yeah. I sometimes mean, I think that, well, not sometimes, I think that the excuse comes down to context. Well, and see, that makes more sense to me. Yeah. It, because, yeah, no, no. I, I, I mean, I think movies should be rated more contextually because it, it, it's, it's, it's dumb. Like, like a movie like, um, like There Will Be Blood uh, by by like the standards, I'm surprised they rated that movie R because it's a that's like a PG-13 content. But, it, it, but I'm glad that it's R the maturity because level, like the context of the maturity level, they need that's what got it the R rating. Yeah, I'm surprised it has the R rating because the MPAA sucks. Yeah, but um, well, I mean, there's like orgies throughout that movie. <laughs> But but yeah, it should be contextual. So so we actually cited some examples of ratings that were good. But um, yeah, but there's there's plenty that aren't good, um, mm-hmm. and a lot of them have to do with sexual content and how they rate that and stuff like that. So and blood, and it is disproportionate toward women. Yeah, because uh, there there's famously uh, the movie Blue Velvet. No, not Blue Velvet. Blue Valentine. Blue Valentine. NC seventeen. NC seventeen rating. Uh, but if if it was the woman doing it to the guy, that's in a ton of R movies. Yeah. Uh, what's I don't want to talk about it because our podcast doesn't usually go down those routes. No. But but it is interesting to talk about. Yeah, and I've seen that movie and it's really not that graphic. Yeah. Um. Is that movie as big of a bummer as it seems? Uh huh. Okay. Yeah, it's a very sad movie. Yeah. I remember it being very good though. Yeah. But I've it's definitely it's like an R movie. It's it like you see that rating and you're like, oh my gosh, this is gonna be so intense. And you're, it's like, no. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's it's yeah. It, I've seen worse in HBO shows. Oh, okay. For sure. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, so she has the gun to shoot Peter Peter Dinklage, but all of our bros show up in time. Yeah. And they are confronting her, trying to get her not to do it. A striker is there, young striker, um, and electrocutes or tases her. 
I don't like can... this actor. I think he's bad in this movie. It's whatever. I, I don't. I don't need him. I don't care. But it's probably the director's fault. Let's blame it on the super creep. Yeah. Tases her so she can't even. Now at this point, she can't kill him. So history has been changed. Or so we think. Or so we think. So he, Peter Dinklage does not die. Uh-huh. She is tased, and now she's confronting these dudes. She's she is running away from them, and this was cool. Um, Magneto has a gun and is going to shoot her. Yeah, yeah. And then someone uh, blocks him, but yeah. because it's Magneto, he can still fire the gun even if it's not in his hand. Yeah, and that not was only cool. Does he do that? But he is able to make the bullet travel in the precise direction he needs it to go, and it hits her in the leg. That yeah. was cool. Oh, that part was awesome. And, and and also Wolverine is like pulling apart. His timelines are starting to yeah, mix up. Yeah, because he sees Stryker. Yeah. And is his hit with his future, yeah. which is also his past. And yeah, he he's like he can't do anything to help in this situation. He is like going crazy. Uh-huh. I I liked um when Mystique was out and she was running around and there's all these people outside. I like that it cut to that old f- footage, like Super, 8, Super footage. 8 footage. I was going to ask what you thought of that. I, I thought it was cool because there were cameras there. Yeah. Because this was a big public event. I mean, I, those news cameras would look better. That It wouldn't just look like a Super 8. But I, I, I don't know. I, it worked for me. Yeah. I was. I couldn't tell if I liked it or I, not. I think it was cool because we're in the past. This is historical. Yeah. So it's, it's interesting to have like this historical footage of mutants. Yeah. And like Beast runs out there and is trying to fight Magneto and her, well, more Magneto. And there's like footage of that. And it just, I don't know, it just looks cool in that kind of film. Yeah. In this context. I, I did think though, much much like the the, fir- the very first fight scene in this movie that takes place in the future, um, I just felt like the editing was really off. Yeah. Um, like it, like it, 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 it kind of felt like the action scenes these two that I'm speaking about, they like they like didn't have uh, a climax or anything. Sure. And you you'd cut sure. to shots where you're kind of like, what are we? What are you trying to convey right now? I'm mm-hmm. not really sure. And then it's like, oh, let's cut back to the intense, and then back to this person. Uh, it just didn't. It felt very all over weird. the place. Yeah. Yeah. And 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 to me, I think the super eight footage kind of like contributed to that that I, I could see that but i think because we've seen a million superhero movies i've never seen that in one yeah so yeah that's true that was cool um then after that attack happens they now have mystique's blood so they can make the super sentinels and uh peter dinklage is like yo uh richard nixon guess what i can help you out did you see this crazy attack imagine if this happened to the whole world so now they have like now, now yeah, now they have a motivation to actually do this. Yeah. Yeah. They have they basically in in some ways maybe even sped up what was going to happen. Yep. Um and while while Wolverine was freaking out in the future and he, uh-huh. he was also freaking out and he injures Kitty. Uh-huh. So but but she's she keeps locked on to him, but it's like she's dying there yeah, yeah. or something. That was, but there was no uh, see that it was didn't go anywhere. That see that and that's a, another thing with like the future where it's like okay, Kitty Pride gets sliced open, and they go she can't do this much longer. And but, and but then we it's have like, like forty five minutes left. You know, yeah, and it's like okay, if you're gonna like give us some tension, yeah, if that's what you want. 
like make Wolverine like suck out of it and then go back in or something, you know. But um, yeah, I don't know. It, the the future stuff just really isn't great. Um, then McAvoy, uh, McAvoy, Xavier decides to get his powers back. Um, because like he's he needs the serum. Okay, wait, 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 hold on. Was it this movie? Okay, but before that, Magneto and Mystique. Magneto finds Mystique in the subway and he talks to her uh-huh. and he's, I can't remember exactly what he says, but he's like, do you really think this is the best way to go about this? Yeah. And, and then he, I think he says something about you're my pet now. <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> um, and then, and then is this the movie where like a scene or two later or like the next scene Mystique is like back somewhere in the U S and it's like, so we're, we're just back now. Like we were in Paris Oh, I didn't notice felt, this, so I can't... it felt like 30 minutes later in the movie's time... Yeah. Uh, we were just back in America. It, it just felt... Like that. I guess that might be an editing thing. Yeah. And maybe that was just me, but it just felt like there was no transition uh-huh. of getting back, and it felt very jarring. Yeah. Because basically what's next is... Well, what you said is Xavier gets his powers back, but but kind of what's next in the movie is the White House thing. Uh, no, it's the Cerebro scene. Oh, I need to be done with the talking about this. <laughs> Let me make a note because you, you got so quiet that I'm going to have to bump that. That's okay, though. Okay, so he gets his dumb powers back. So, yeah, and he's he's not sure if he should do the serum or not, but he, he decides against it, and then, you know, then he goes into Cerebro, and he's like, I'm going to start looking for Mystique because they're looking for Mystique. And then they were probably like, how did she get back here so fast? Wait, how did we get back here so fast? And so, well, we've already seen they yeah, have I'm, a plane. I'm, you know? I'm tired, too. Um, but uh, anyway, so he's in there, and it's far too much for him to handle. Uh, and then he's like, I can't do it. And then, see, this I think this scene is good. I like the scene between him and Wolverine. Yeah. It's good. Yeah, I liked it, too. You want to tell me about it? Uh, well, Wolverine convinces him that you, you can do this because in the future, when I become your student, I am like the worst student you've ever had basically is what he's saying. And, and you changed me for the better. So I know you can do it because of what you've done in me. Yeah. So try, damn it. And so, uh, Mystique, uh, Xavier, you, he looks into Wolverine's future. Yeah. Cool. And through his mind and travels mentally into the future to their present moment and has a conversation with himself. Yeah. And this was cool. I and, liked and the, I liked how it looked too. Yeah. Yeah. No, this was all, I mean, this is the stuff I like. This is what frustrates me about this movie. Cause like, this is really good. Yeah. And, and the, I, I love this idea where, you know, he is, he is able to <clears throat> look forward and find his actual future self, and his future is telling him, you need to hope for the future. And that's great. That's that's like what we do when we try to look to the future. We try to find that hope, and he has his, his self confirming for him, you need to keep the hope. Mm-hmm. And that's great. Love it. That's cool. And then we got what I wrote as Magneto Train Time. Yeah, meanwhile, Magneto is following a train that contains the set the proto sentinels. Uh-huh. And he uses train tracks to like reprogram them. Something like that, yeah. So that he can use them to his own devices. Yeah. Later on. 
And then Charles is talking to Mystique, is what I wrote. And I don't remember what he said. Oh, this is in the airport. Yeah. Oh, maybe we do see her come back home. Oh, Jordan. It has been a couple days. Do you want me to get you a napkin? Because you got a lot of egg on your face. It's dripping and slopping. So he, <laughs> Xavier is using p- other people to talk to Mystique. And oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're, I think, just trying to convince her to stop doing, stop yeah. this. And that's cool. <laughs> so you're you're so wrong about what you said five minutes ago. Oh my gosh, I'm so dumb. Are you are you like embarrassed? embarrassed? <laughs> yeah, I'm really embarrassed. I'm also embarrassed that I couldn't think of the word embarrassed. <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah, then then they have this discussion, the the main three, Beast, uh, X and uh Wolverine. And I, I do like this too, where where Beast says, like, it seems like Mystique made it out. They have her DNA. They're going to make the the Sentinels regardless. So maybe time is a stream, and you can throw a pebble in a stream, but eventually the stream will push the pebble in the direction that it always goes. Wasn't it, isn't that some like he said it was a theory of like quantum physics or something? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just it, and it's yeah it's that idea where like okay I go back in time to kill Hitler. And then, like, my gun jams, and I'm unable to do it. So time, like... the Holocaust content proceeds anyway. Yeah, because, like, you know, something else happened, and it's like time is always... He's replaced by it with a a worse person or something. Yeah. Um, So, um... Well, that that would be maybe even even different. I think think the idea is time relatively just stays the same, even if you go back to try and change it. Yeah. Do you know what I'm trying to say, though? Yes, yeah. But... But... Xavier's response is, I understand what you're saying, but I can't believe in it. Yeah. I have to hold on to hope. Yeah. And um and and this is also where I wrote post credit scene of the the Wolverine because I, I I now got confused because at the end of the Wolverine, after he doesn't know where he wants to go after finishing his mission, see last week's episode when we discussed that thoroughly, he is in the he's in the post credit and Charles and Magneto show up and they're like, hey, we team up. There's a bigger threat than we've ever faced. But then this movie takes place like years and years after that scene would have taken place. So I'm like, you can't think about it too much, Micah. You really shouldn't. <laughs> I mean, it's it's a classic credit situation, which yeah. happens all the time in the MCU too, where you're like, okay, they're bringing this thing around, and then it's like, now nah. I I just at at this point. Would rather they just stop doing it, yeah. Because they've lost all excitement for me. No matter. Usually, I have no idea what it is because yeah. I don't read comics, right? Or it's like, great, I'll forget about this tomorrow, and then five years later, they'll finally get around to making this movie, and I, I am not going to be sit, like thinking, oh yeah, because of that post credit scene, right? Let's just knock it off, guys, and stop putting it in your TV shows. Oh th- yeah, that's how many were in Miss Marvel? One on the last one. Okay. That makes more sense. But, but you had to check every time. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's it's very stupid. I don't like it. Yeah. Um I, I think they should they should be reserved for jokes. Uh uh-huh. oh yeah. Yeah. yeah like yeah. the falafel scene in Avengers. Uh-huh. Still maybe the best post credit scene. Yeah. Is um, there a great Groot one? Uh I don't think there well, is Groot, a Groot. Baby one. Groot's dancing at the end of Guardians One, but that's a credit scene. Yeah. Like that's, that's during like, the credits. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that Avengers one still just reigns supreme. It's great. It's so good. Um, yeah. So 
Uh, Magneto gets his helmet. Wait, Peter Dinklage is in Marvel. Yeah, he 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 runs that star He's and creates the hammer. Yeah. Whoa, cool. Yeah, they didn't get him in Star Wars though. But not that you know of. Yeah. He's probably in it. No, no, he's not in it. How do you know for sure? Because. You think that wait, would just make news? It, well, wait, what scenario are you thinking that he's like secretly in it? Like like yeah. how Daniel Craig is yeah. in Force Awakens? Yeah. Well, yeah, I suppose that could be. But I would think that if you're going to, like, he would, he'd be good in Star Wars. So maybe. Well, yeah, he, so would Daniel Craig. Maybe he'll be in that Taika Waititi trilogy that probably will never get made. Oh, I can't talk about it. <laughs> Um, I, I do like this when, when they get back from the airport, Wolverine walks through the metal detector. No, no. When they get to the, like Richard Nixon's lawn, um, the white house lawn, you mean? Is it at the white house? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I do really like how he walks through and he's just cringing and he turns around because he doesn't have the adamantium yet. And he's like, Oh, awesome. Yeah. Yeah. That was fun. Um, and then we have a, just really long scene oh gosh it took forever nixon's talking about something no one cares about all we're doing is waiting for action to happen yeah and we see that they identify which one's mystique well professor x does he, yeah. he finds her by going through people's minds finds that she's disguised as this man wolverine yeah. and beast are trying to get her to him her ahead of time they're stopped what's happening and then magneto shows up yeah, and he brings a stadium with him. He brings a literal stadium. I don't know why. With him. Uh, it's to put a ring around everything so no one can escape, I guess. But the president still got away in time. So mm-hmm. he brings a stadium with him with all those sentinels. President and his cronies go into the White House, into their panic room. And Magneto, because their panic room is a metal box, Pulls it out of the White yeah, House. Yeah, yeah. I did like that. That was cool. <laughs> yeah. Uh, pulls it out of the White House. The Sentinels suck looking. Keep going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Mystique is in the, in the panic room with the president uh-huh. and is, like, still going to try and kill him. Um, but Magneto stops her. And what does he say to her? Stops Mystique? Well, he... Well, yeah. Oh, I... I um. Well, she tries to shoot him. Yeah. Did you already say that? No. Um, and then I don't know what happens. Gil- Gilmore. He- she does shoot him. Yeah. She does. Can do gets you- him in the neck. She gets him in the neck. Yeah. Cause she uses oh, cause she uses one of the plastic guns mm-hmm. that they have. But but are the bullets metal? I don't think so. Okay. Um. Wait, so couldn't he just still manipulate the guns? No, no, no. It's plastic, and then it's not a metal bullet either. Okay, I just asked you if it's a metal bullet, and you and said, I, said no. I don't think so. Yeah, I don't think it's a metal bullet. Whoops. I got to stop talking. <laughs> but, but it, so it all, it's climaxed with this. We're, 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 we're having a, a difficulty describing it. Of course, it's an action scene. But, but basically, Magneto is like, hey, they think that we're so bad. We'll show him who's bad. And Charles is like, no, it can't be this way. And Mystique is caught in the middle. And then she is going to kill the president. Or no, Trask? Trask. And then she chooses not to, eventually. After much you That's know, right. And decisions. Wolverine gets thrown 
into the river a... filled with lead. Yeah. Um. Yeah, and then when she chooses not to kill him, that changes time, and everyone like disappears from the future timeline. But yeah. but they're also there's a scene where like Storm gets killed and Bishop gets killed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And everybody's yeah, getting killed. It's so boring. We don't and, need to talk. Oh, about and that. Magneto is like about to die. Mm-hmm. Old Magneto is about to die. Um, the only thing he's good for, the only thing Ian McKellen was good for in this movie. Yeah. They're like, McKellen, we need you for your second day of shooting. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's a wrap on McKellen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, yeah. Does that, did did we did we do okay on that part? <laughs> I, I think we blazed through like 30 minutes of the movie in like two yeah. minutes here. I just can't remember the conversations had. Yeah. But Wolverine is taken up from out of the river. He's alive, of course. Like you said, all that other stuff happens. And then we, it all goes white because everything's changing. Yeah. Because he, he goes back into his present body. Right. And he, then and then we go back to X Manor. And, and this scene. Is that what it's called, too? Yeah. Oh. I, I liked this scene mm-hmm. where he walks around and he's like, whoa, there's the professor. There's okay. Rogue with Iceman. There's Rogue. There's Iceman. And then he sees Gene and he's like, Gene. And he goes up to her and he's. He's pretty much like all over her, and she's like, "Hey, Logan, what?" Because everyone else hasn't—they've experienced time normally, so mm-hmm. they're all like, "Yeah, what's going on? Hey, what's up?" And then Scott Summers comes around the corner, and he's like, "Dude, Logan." And I said they didn't hurt—they didn't hurt James Marsden's feelings bad enough yeah. that he came back to reprise this role. Right. That's a little crazy. Uh, but I mean, hey. Probably got paid a healthy paycheck to show up for actually. Yeah, he's one like, day. kill me off screen again. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, all of that happens, and and now now I get all the timeline complications and see how this movie did actually fix it all. Um, I don't know that that they needed. I I mean, some of those complications were so easily avoided. But I yeah, I I, I like when. Uh, Professor X sees, you know, it's like another normal day to him too. Yeah. But Logan is like, so we did it. Yeah. And Professor X is like, oh my gosh, you're back. We have a lot to talk about. Yeah, I, that's I, I cool. Love that's that. cool. Yeah. Um, so it's a happy ending. And it is kind of nice to see like the, you know, the, the X-Men are like bustling again, mm-hmm. full of people, which also is another reason why it needed to be empty earlier in the movie because then when you see it here it hits hard oh it's all like gold lit too and it's so bright dreamy uh yeah i i don't like this movie and it's mainly because the store the the ideas and the stories and the idea of of making the the two different actors playing the same roles meeting and stuff is so good and so ripe and so smart I can't believe they could whiff it this bad, you <laughs> yeah, know. Yeah, and uh, and I I do think there's a lot there. There's a couple of outstanding things in the movie, but there's a lot of by the number stuff for something yeah. that's pretty out there. Yeah, it just it felt like biting off more than they could chew. Yeah, on a comic that's already it, I don't know. It was just it was a movie. It happened. That's how it felt to me. Yeah, it's not as I liked it more than First Class. I did as well. Kind of a lot. Um, I feel like I liked it more than First Class, but I, First Class is maybe a better movie. 
but I'm not sure. I don't know. I think they're both pretty bad. Um, so we did it, right? Barely. <laughs> Gilmore is eating Jordan's feet. <laughs> <laughs> Make sure and get the mic around you here if you talk again. But thank you for listening, and please go to our Patreon, patreon.com slash Micah and you can download our episode on... What is it this month? I think it's Knives Out, A Glass Onion, or <laughs> Knives Out Mystery. A Knives Out Mystery, the, the, A Knives Out Mystery, Glass Onion. No one is listening anymore, right? <laughs> and we are in April, actually. Oh, and you know what? It's April 28th, which is the day that 10 years ago, my band Seons released the first, their first album. And guess what, folks? I found all the footage. And today on YouTube, I released a song. I'm going to release four songs publicly. But of the ten songs, there is going to be a full-length ten-song concert footage from our album release show that you can only get, you guessed it, at patreon.com slash And that is the $10 tiering up because it was a lot of work to get that done. Mm -hmm. Uh, So... Check that out. It's crazy. You're also going to get the audio, so if you want to put it in your bootlegs or whatever and uh, listen to it later, you can do that. Uh, it, it was pretty fun to put together and meant a lot to me and made me very nostalgic and made me feel a lot of Nostalgia. things. Nostalgia. Yeah. Neons. Yeah. So check that out. Um, at the very least, check out the the video that dropped today, Busy Busy. It's yeah. pretty fun. Yeah. Um, and then... Share this podcast with somebody. Rate this podcast. And and also, here's a here's a tip for, for those of you who've already rated. Next time you're at lunch with your mom or your sister or something like that, grab their phone, give us a rating, get them subscribed. Okay? And also tell us if you do that because that would be hilarious. <laughs> um, but other than that, next week we come back here into this very room and we talk about the Merc with a mouth himself. I'm talking about the pool that's dead. Yaboosh. Do you want to say anything stupid to end it on? Nope. Come on, give me one made up word. I can't. Please. I can't think of anything. Just any collection of sounds. <laughs> there you go. I, Micah, don't force me to do this. 